This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for listening to the show, for being a fan, and for hanging out every single week. Like that's it. I'm serious. There's no like, you're you're the reason. Okay, let's get to the show. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans. Welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my ever-present uh, and very healthy co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Part of that is a lie. I'm going to let the people decide which part is a lie. I think, uh, yeah, that's true. You'll be, you're better now. You've been, uh, you've recovered. You've had. A I'm not. Of... I'm not worse. Yeah. I, I, it's last week was a long week, dude. I. Uh, oh my god. I. It, it's. It was made longer 100 because I tried to nuke my system Tuesday night and went out. New Year's Eve. I didn't even get drunk New Year's Eve, but just the fact that I kept my body up past midnight and put alcohol in it just made everything like twenty-seven times worse. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was terrible. I mean, you heard me. We, you tried to get me to record Wednesday. I did. I rushed. I rushed back from Central Park to make sure we could record. And you, you heard me for about five minutes, and I, and there's no bullshit. I just couldn't do it. I like, thought my you body... were dead because I didn't hear from you until today. So I'm happy. Yeah, to I. That, that's fair. I, uh, I I called up the parents who, of course, are in the medical profession. They got me the real drugs and uh, yet yeah, just complete body shut. I like the idea of you on the real drugs instead of the fake ones. Um, let's well, no, look the over the counter stuff can only do so much. All right. Wasn't so, what I was saying. Anyway, um... <laughs> well, I'll say it. Fuck it. Um, Everybody should have medical professionals in their life. You get the good shit. That's true. Um Anyway, let's talk about the big news, right? I guess we'll get right to it. Igor Shesturkin, um, or or Shesturkin, however you want to say it. I don't know. I'm still I'm I'm gonna get it eventually. Sam Rosen will, will set me straight when the time comes. Is finally getting the call for the New York Rangers, and that's about. It couldn't be the bigger story of this week. Yes, we could start with rabbit ears. Yes, we could start with you fucking jerk off. There's so many we could start with the Kako having the best game, but. Igor Shosturkin getting the call up and the Rangers carrying three goalies. Gregory, this is said you said something similar. This would happen the last couple weeks. It's time to give you credit, and I'll eat a little bit of crow. One of the reasons I'll eat crow is because, well, I simply said, I don't believe Igor gets a call up until Georgiev is traded. I was dead wrong, and it's time for me to admit that. And it's important to admit when you're wrong, and that's what I'm doing immediately. You said we could carry three goalies all year long. Do you believe that we could carry three goalies on the roster the rest of the season? I mean, technically, yes. Theoretically, but- yes. Like literally, yes. Yes. Every every every, for, every <laughs> form of it. The Rangers have twenty three roster spots. They've been carrying twenty two players all year. They were carrying twenty three players up until uh, when they called up Fogarty. I don't know when they put Lemieux on the IR, but that's the corresponding move that the Rangers made. So the Rangers have had twenty two players. You can carry twenty three. It. I, I believe on this podcast, I made I made the correlation to. Um, it's like baseball teams carrying three catchers. Yes. Yes, you can do it, but no, it's not necessarily productive roster management. I would say this is the one exception. Um, it, it just got to a point, and I, I'm on record on this podcast saying if the Rangers really wanted to play at hard line, there was no reason to call up Shesterkin at any point this season, let him cook the entire year in Hartford, and then unless you traded Georgiev in season – you had yourself a little bit of a 
goalie kerfuffle that you have to work yourself through at the NHL draft. Uh, but there are two things that are painfully clear that we just need to get out of the way quickly. Mm-hmm. One, there's nothing left for Shostakhin to prove in Hartford. Couldn't be He's less. I, I think the he, hockey stat minor stat of the month was he had more shutouts than losses in the month of December, which uh, I yeah. would consider good. Look, it, and we would say this, we would call it roster manipulation if this was happening in baseball. We'd call it poor asset management if this was happening in basketball. It, straight up, there's nothing for Igor to gain from being in Hartford. You can't, you can't flex a year on his uh, entry-level contract because he's too old. So you're burning the year anyway. There's nothing for him to prove in Hartford. Unless Igor says, I want to play, I want to play consistently versus being in the NHL. That would be the only reason to do it. Igor has no reason to say that. There's no reason for the Rangers to think that. So mission accomplished for Igor. He proved everything he needed to prove. He's here. It does feel Uh, like the Rangers were prepping us for this, by the way. I mean, not not just that, but they were prepping us because number two is simple. Igor could go back to Russia whenever he wants, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the difference between we we could we could cry foul in baseball all the time about you know service time manipulation all that shit, but when the Cubs keep down Chris Bryant instead of calling him up on opening day, Chris Bryant has no alternative. Chris Bryant can't go and play in the Mexican League, or can't go and play in Japan. Like Chris Bryant is stuck with the Chicago Cubs, which is why it's such just bullshit that. Baseball teams can do that all the time. Igor could have packed his bags and gone home. Yes, at any time. At any time, he you still wanted. can. He still can. Um, well, there, that's why now, there has to be a reason not. they like they they called him up, right? Because he probably said to them, like, "Listen, I've done everything I needed to do." We don't have any sources on this, so I don't know. I'm just conjecturing. Well, I, I don't. Need, I I I have a hard time believing Igor put Gorton's um, head to the turnstone. There, I think the Rangers. The Rangers at some point need to hold themselves accountable, right? When they sent Igor down, they probably told him, "We need you to get. You, we want you to play you a lot. We want you to get your feet under you. We want you to have success. And as soon as you prove sustained success, we will bring you up." And we reached. He's played what twenty six games, I think, something like that. In Hartford, yeah, he couldn't play better. It if he gives up one goal in his next game, it is seen as him struggling. So. It's just well, they preached a meritocracy this season, and he's done it. He's pr- proven himself, and now you get to carry three goalies because you cannot send Georgiev down. Now, I do believe they'll be sending uh, Igor up and down a lot to get as much playing time as possible while still playing Hank and Georgiev. Uh, so we'll see how that goes because the Rangers only play eight games this month in the month of uh, January, and three of them are against the Islanders, by the way, which is totally bullshit. Hart- Hartford only has nine as well, though, so it's not like it's not like Hartford's going to be worked to the brink mm-hmm. uh, with your um, with Igor up here. Uh, yes, I agree with you. I think anytime, anytime the Rangers have a layoff coming and Hartford, because the AHL schedule is so wonky and weird and they have like three game weekends, uh, Igor will definitely go down to get one of those games. Uh, I'd expect, honestly, I'm, I'm expecting the split of games the rest of the season to be as close to even across the board as possible. Um, Hank and George ever basically playing the same amount of games to this point in the season. I think Hank has a little bit of an edge there, but we're talking like what 52, 48%. Uh, I maybe, maybe Hank gets 40% of the starts the rest of the year, but Igor and George ever going to play as long as they're here and they should. Uh, the best thing that could happen for the Rangers is Igor comes out gangbusters. 
right off the bat. I think it makes a trade of Georgiev more manageable, more uh, digestible. It. A lot of people brought this point up. I'm gonna I'm gonna single out our dear friend and coworker Shayna Goldman, mm-hmm. who said, "No better time." Yes, it's hard for teams to trade goalies in season, uh, it, but it's made a lot easier if you give Igor time to figure out just how NHL ready he is. By all accounts, I think all of us would be stunned if Igor struggles, even considering how bad defensively the New York Rangers are. Um, his track record. Dude, he likes a lot of shots. KHL. Loves the shots. Loves the small His Rangers. words. His words, not ours. That's a quote. Uh, but – his track record in the KHL, his track record in the AHL, it all speaks for itself. This guy is the definition of an elite goaltending prospect. Uh, if he struggles, it would be the shock of the new decade. I'm not expecting it. I still, and I, as the forefront conductor of this trade Georgiev train, still not expecting it to happen before the deadline. Still think it's something that's going to happen come around draft time. Still think it makes perfect sense for him to go to Toronto. Still think it makes perfect sense for the Rangers to bring in Bracco. It's great seeing all of the reports out there that the Maple Leafs are now chopping Bracco. Makes you think that maybe I know what I'm doing and what I'm talking about, and I'm just the clairvoyant motherfucker. Would be insane really if you went two for two on these really specific trades that end up happening. I got, I got to tell you, Ryan, uh, when God gives you the gift, you have to use it, right? It's um, <laughs> I was. I, don't, I, don't know I had it. so much. I was sitting on there, and I was like, I can't say any of this. <laughs> oh, well, that's too bad. You know, I would have. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I, I, I'd be pleasantly surprised if Igor knocked the socks off the Rangers, and they felt so satisfied with his play that they trade Georgiev now. But it's important to think... remember, though, like even Henrik Lundqvist and Georgiev, who have been two of the best goalies this year in the NHL, and analytics back that up have struggled with our defense in front of them. So if Igor does go out there and struggle against the Avalanche, who have uh, pretty good players, I would say, including Nathan McKinnon, uh, don't worry about it right off the bat. If you're like, hey, this guy was supposed to be like a star prospect and he lets up like three to four goals, it's really not his fault. Probably, for the most part. I'm going to guess. Just a shot. I really, I just, I couldn't be less worried about his performance or what to expect from him. I just... Excuse me. It's okay. Um, I just think uh, it's him coming up has more to do with the fact that the Rangers made a promise to a player who had a European escape clause. than it has to do with the Rangers being closer to a trade on the goalie front. Uh, it's weird that uh, NHL team would carry three goalies. It's not, it's somewhere, it's somewhere between rare and uncommon without being either. Um and it, it definitely honestly, is, is a strange situation because you're still showcasing. Well, it's, 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 it's mostly strange because the teams that carry three goalies, it's because two of them are struggling, right? Yes. Like teams teams that typically carry three goalies is because they can't decide on which backup should be playing over the other because both well, it's, have struggled. It's, it's the classic it's, it's saying, just, if you have two goalies, you don't have one. But we have three goalies and we legit have three. Yeah, I, I do, th- but I, I also I, it's two quarterbacks. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. First of all, second of all, we we now it, live. It applies in, to goalies. <laughs> I, I don't think it does. I think we live in a world now where tandem goalies are becoming vogue. Okay, Just look at everything. Look at everything the Islanders have done the last two years, and they're not the only team that's utilizing it now. Uh, I the the Coyotes with Ronta and Kemper have been using a two goalie tandem all season long. I I think it's 
I think it's inaccurate to say if you have two goalies, you have none now. I think it's, I don't know if it's a preferred strategy, but it's clear, clearly a strategy that works. It's it's just very weird that the New York Rangers have three goalies on their roster, and it's because all three of them are playing too well. That That's that's really what it comes down to. The New York Rangers have a goalie logjam because every single goalie in their system is playing out of their minds. And it's a great problem to have. I just I I would caution everybody that slid into our mentions today saying the URGF trade is happening and it's happening sooner. I we are yet to see any any evidence of even, it happening before the trade smoke. deadline. Like there's no smoke at all. I mean, the I only smoke that, is smoke that we've created, which like is Brocco. This podcast has created, right? Like literally us, nobody else. And it's it's Greg had a dream and saw Brocco come to him, and they embraced tenderly. Funny, funny story about dreams. Tell uh, me, it, totally safe for work dream. Uh, mm-hmm. In one of my dry, uh, dry dream, in one in one of my uh, medication induced comas that I had this weekend, I I gotta tell you, I slept both nights like fourteen hours. It was wonderful. But uh, Saturday night in the Sunday morning, I had one of those lucid dreams where you're having a hard time telling if you're actually dreaming or if you're awake and just lying in bed doing something. Called living life. Yep. Uh, For some reason, I had the dream that at least 16 different people sent me screenshots of a John Heyman tweet that said the Mets had acquired Nolan Arenado. And... This is the like, word, like this is such a Greg dream. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I can see yeah. the Bitmoji talking to you while you're in your bed. Yep, uh, and it, it was, it was, it was, it was so convincing that when I actually did wake up, I had to see if I was dreaming it or not. And sadly, I I was dreaming it because Mets got I the only players I remember going to uh, Colorado. I remember Robinson Cano was involved and Dom Smith was involved, and I. That's all I remembered. That's that's literally a dream. Anyway, if that if that one if that one happens too, you're all welcome for that as well. Nolan Arenado, future Met great. If you've called, if never mind, I can't even. If Cano went to Colorado, I'm not going to get into this. That would be if Cano went to Colorado and that trade to play like first base. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd retire. I'd retire. We'd stop the podcast. Um, let's just quickly review the last week. Uh, obviously we, you and I didn't watch the new year's Eve game. We were out trying to, uh, live our best lives. You were trying to survive and I was having a night of enjoyment. Uh, the, the Rangers, I saw the highlights. They fought back. Very fun. The, uh, bunny ears joke. How did the bunny ears not catch on more? Rabbit ears? Yeah. I, I can't believe, I can't believe people haven't heard of rabbit ears before. A lot of people didn't know. I thought that was. was a very common, I thought that was a very common saying. Well, I apparently it was not. I I even got no. a question today asking, "Hey, do you know what this means?" And I quickly googled and found out. I mean, yeah, I knew. No, but just I, to clarify. I, maybe maybe it's I I Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez have definitely made the comment about umpires having rabbit ears um, from the dugout where they hear any little thing and then throw a player out. Yeah, it's it's having like a heightened heightened um, being a little sensitive. That's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if someone it. chirps and you being able to pick up on it a little bit quicker than you should. Yeah, that that like in sports, that's that's rabbit ears. I I thought it was a very common saying. The uh, thing for I, me I though is like we, we just talked about baseball. Let's go back there, right? That's what we do as a podcast. Haha. Um, the Yankees this year when when Boone got thrown out and he was like, "My guys are fucking savages in the box," it blew up. It was it was like their motto for the year, and Quinn exploded on the bench. Obviously, uh, in a very funny way, called him a jerk off. You know, called him rabbit ears, etc. And we got like no memes out of it. I don't understand. What are we doing as a, as a fan base? 
It was really like we got one one gift that was very good that you posted that Bob posted and it was on Reddit event originally. I don't know the guy's name, but sorry, credit to that guy who subtitled it. And other than that, like I'm wearing bunny gears to the game on Sunday on Thursday. I'm gonna be wearing rabbit ears the whole time because I just I just don't understand how we don't make this a bigger thing. And maybe I'm, that's just me, and I, I want more from the fan base. But hands up, I, I expect more of you. I do wonder if part of it is because it's Quinn and every there's a per, certain certain portion of the fan base that's down on Quinn and the people that are saying um, you can't have a coach preach responsibility and then say something like that. You definitely can. You're just you're just you're missing the forest for the trees there. He's guys. standing up for it, his players. He's standing up. He's standing up for his players. He's his players feel wronged. It's he his players understand that if they make a mistake, he, they will be held accountable. And David Quinn is going out there. Look, I have a lot of problems with stuff David Quinn did this week. Yep, that is not one Let's of get them. To that in a uh, he's he's legitimately saying that one wasn't a mistake. You guys are getting screwed by the refs here. I got your backs. Don't worry about it. Basically, if anything, it actually reinforces Quinn's. If you fucked up, I'm going to punish you. Because he's not saying every penalty is a fuck up because he's not saying every penalty carries either carries the same weight or not every penalty is equal to the next. Right. And especially one he doesn't feel like you actually committed. So these players aren't going to be afraid to make what they feel is the correct play. If it leads to mistake, it'll be punished. But David Quinn in this moment was reminding his players that something someone else views as a mistake is not a mistake to him. And I, I actually thought it – I didn't think much of it. I thought it was just a coach standing up for his players, which you would expect every and any coach to do, regardless of whether you like that coach or not. I Listen, I've been – I've had a lot of questions about David Quinn as of recent. I mean, we'll get to one of them in a second. But, but that, also – also, and Ryan, you know this. If Tortorella does that, all of us are rock hard. We're all, we're all like month. this. We're all like this the whole time. Yeah, torts. Yeah, yeah, get him. We're we're literally that's we're why I'm kind of I'm sitting here six to midnight. defending defending Quinn a little bit, which I hate doing, but I continually do because like, why is this not a bigger deal for us? That's awesome what he did. That we always want people to do that, and then when Quinn I does want, it, because we're do a little down on him. Because do you think part of it is because in hockey, when a coach gets assessed like a penalty, they don't get ejected from the game? It might be more more powerful if the ref was like, "Get the hell out of here," right? Like. Baseball ejections are so memeable because you get the visual of a ref physically, like giving the motion, the heave ho motion. Well, even at the, the Winter Classic, the what was the ejection? He had to walk down. Corey Perry. Uh, yeah. yeah, Corey Perry. Corey Perry he had to walk had a mile and a half. Michael, it was funny. It was like, oh wow, it was, great. It was emotional. So, but in in basketball, the double tech, same thing. You get you get dragged to the locker room. I think I think part of the reason why it didn't become a bigger meme is because Quinn coached the rest of the game, and I think it's. Like it's a, it that in an, in itself is kind of funny when you think about it that he has this fucking blow up on the referees and he just gets to stand there the rest of the game. It's it's yeah he like he gets to pout a little bit and look at the referees and be like hey rabbit ears I just the one thing is I don't know why it's not a bigger deal but let's talk about the one or one of the many many or the, the most crucial decision that Quinn made this week I guess that was a talking point which was at the end of the Calgary game he put in. Greg McKegg instead of having Capo Caco out there. And it could have been anybody else. Now, obviously, I wanted Capo Caco to be out there because you're you're fighting back into a game. The game is obtainable. Caco's playing his best game and since since the flu, honestly, since the flu. And to ha not have him out there and fighting back to get into this game and you're putting Greg McKegg out there as like, hey, this is a development moment, Quinn. 
maybe you should take this time to use Kapokako. But even if you don't use Kapokako, there's plenty of better other options on the team that should be out there other than Greg McKay and crunch time in a game you're trying to fight back into on a, on a, on a West Coast trip at this point. Like, I, it was one of the moments where I was like, Quinn, I truly don't understand what your motive here is because if this season's about development, Greg McKay is not going to be on this team next year. Hands up if well, he is, but... Well, I, I, you're touching on the, the hardest point of all this to understand. It's, if this season is about development, it's a questionable decision to penalize Kako as harshly as he did, considering it's Quinn on record saying Kako's too hard on himself. We need to do, we need to put Kako in situations to gain some confidence. He's earlier in that game, he's, he's working on a two point night. He's having one of his better games in his 18 year old rookie season. It's, you can convince me that if this season was strictly about development and it's about hell, holding these guys accountable when they make what is viewed as a silly mistake, um, I can see it. I can. I, I, I'm not thrilled with it, but I, I see it, right? It's the same as taking a guy out, regardless of if the guy is two for two with two home runs in the game. If he doesn't hustle up the first baseline and that should be double is now a single and you want to take him out of the game, I'm fine with it, right? Like you, you, you get it. Uh, the the problem here is Quinn repeatedly, repeatedly has stated how this season is then is more than just development. It's he's saying the Rangers need to make the playoffs. He's saying the goal is to make the playoffs. He's saying every game is important in the standings. We need to pick up ground. We need to gain gain when we can, we need to do X, Y, and Z in order to make the playoffs. All right, if you're saying this season is about making the playoffs, then it is indefensible to have Greg McKegg on the ice with under two minutes to go in a one-goal game. You can't defend it. If you want to, again, if you want to take Kako out, if that means double-shifting someone, that means getting Kreider more ice time, if that means even putting Heedle out there to play him on his wing in an odd-man situation, if that means double shifts for Panarin, double shifts for Strom, double shifts for Buchnevich, literally a double shift for anyone in the top six. You've decided we need to win this one game, but we also need to send Kapokako a message. Greg McKegg can't be the answer. And that's, that's nothing against Greg McKegg. I think Greg McKegg is a perfectly fine player for the role the New York Rangers are using him in this year. And if an injury were to happen in the top nine, you can do worse than having Greg McKegg play one or two games on your third line to add a little speed and maybe even a little upside offense. That's great and good. But if you're telling me that you are making a move that you think helps you win a hockey game when you're down a goal, Greg McKegg is not the answer. He never will be the answer. That's not his fault. He's just not that player. So I, it, 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 it bothered me because I, I felt like it was a little hard on Kako than it should have been. But again, if if you want to if you want to play the development card with me, Ryan, I hear it, I understand it, I'm not pleased with it, but I at least see what you're doing. It's the fact that the New York Rangers continue to say how their goal is the playoffs, despite not having the roster, despite not having the talent, despite not playing a, a successful defensive uh, system. That's fine. All those things you want you want you want to try and compete for a playoff spot in light of all those things. Sure. It's bad coaching then to put Greg McKegg on the ice there. There is no one else to blame 
but David Quinn for saying in that moment, Greg McKegg helps us best win this game because it's not true. That is just not it's true. It's not That's going a, to be true. And you took out a better player. It, it's just, it ain't going to happen. So, so that that's where that's where my anger was. My, my counter-argument would season. be to just, even if that was, this, everything you just said was true, right? Kako is still a key part. If you if your goal is, hey, I'm, I'm David Quinn, and I want to win the Stanley Cup. If you want to win the Stanley Cup, which, by the way, is a far-fetched idea this year, and we're not even going to make the playoffs, especially with the way the math works with points on other teams that are making the playoffs now, we're going to have to play it like a ridiculous point pace to even catch them. But if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you need your number two overall pick to perform. And the way you do that is by giving him the opportunity and giving them confidence in a game where he's playing well. Yes, he took a bad penalty. I get it. And I know you want to hold them accountable. But like you said, there's many other players. But to me, if you want if you want to compete, you want to make the playoffs, you need Kako to be his best self. There's no better way than giving him a minute of ice time instead of Greg McKegg and giving him an opportunity to tie the game. That's all that's but all even, I'll say. But even that. even even saying that, I I can I can squint my eyes and see a reason why you don't I I don't necessarily agree with it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's the best, but there is at least a defense to the strategy there. There there's there's a way you can work yourself through it to say you are sending a message while also sending a message to your team that you are actively trying to win this game. You you can achieve both things simultaneously. It's the fact that for whatever reason, Quinn thought McKegg was the answer and he wasn't. And this isn't the first time we've seen this from the Rangers. We've seen Brendan Smith be the extra skater in uh, empty net situations have, and that hasn't yes. worked for the Rangers. That's so at not. some point, and we said this season, just like it was about answering questions for guys on the roster, we're getting very clear answers for what we can expect from this coaching staff. David Quinn by doing this twice now, at least twice, is saying a fresh player, regardless of who that fresh player is, in key moments is just as good as double shifting a more talented player. Okay, And we know that for fact, that's not a winning strategy that's when those players are a defenseman playing forward. I can see why you said s- when you squint, you could see it. Because that's what it takes to see that 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 line of no 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 I can legit if you want to send a message to Kako in that moment I again it's it's hard to defend because he's having one of his best games he has a goal and an assist yes he took a bad penalty but he's still been one of your most productive players on the night so if you're trying to win a hockey game when you're down a goal late all you want is your most productive players out on the ice and it, and Quinn's was making the point that yes he's been one of our most productive players. But this also needs to be a learning opportunity for him because he's going to have 10, 15 more years in this league and he needs to understand that that penalty set the team back. I I can squint and see and say, fine, if it meant more ice time for someone in the Rangers' top six. Again, it's the problem that Quinn's message is he wants to win the game. Okay, you want to win the game, then you need to either forgive Kabakako and let him play or you need to put a more talented player on the ice in place of Kapokako. Instead, Quinn said, no, I'm going to put Greg McKegan there. And that's the problem. Because we have no reason. We we haven't and, been and given enough reasons. And then a minute later, put like his elite six ready to roll guys out there. But just like, he didn't give the shot. I don't know. I, I, I No, it's it's that. just, it, it in that moment, Quinn, it's like, in that moment, Quinn thought Greg McKegg would help his team win. And I got to tell you, when you're down a goal with under two minutes to go in the third period, Greg McKegg is not going to be the answer. No. Maybe uh, one in a hundred, but 
you don't play those odds when you need one goal late. You super, just don't do it. Super quick recap, uh, literally three sentence recap of the Vancouver game. Uh, we got New York Rangered. Markstrom played out of his mind. Churchill Pedersen uh, ended up winning. And unfortunately, or, or very fortunately, actually, I donated $50 to their, uh, I believe it's called Canuck Place, which is a children's hospice place. So it was a really nice event that we did together. Uh, but the Ranger game in general, just listen, tough luck. Could have scored some goals. We Markstrom played his ass off. That's literally that game. There's this. It's, it was it's a, a game the New York game. Rangers have won multiple times this year alone. Yep. Against the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. Alone. It's it's just like playing against the New York Rangers when Hank is hot. That's just what yeah, it's like. Yeah. You ran into a hot goalie. The New, if the Rangers play that way for the rest of the season, they're going to win more times than they lose. But there's still going to be a couple games where a goalie just steals one. Yep. And that's really it. For that's that what game. happened. Uh, let's that's do it. the five star questions, then we'll get to our good friend Drew Way, who's going to come on and redraft 2017 draft with us. Oh, I redrafted it with him, bro. Oh, you did. I did. You did it together. Uh, we're gonna. You, no, we did it independent. But I know. I know his draft, and he knows mine. I did not redraft. So I will host. Um. So for this one, let's do the five star questions. We have a couple of them as we've been able to do. If you want to leave a five star question, go to iTunes, search New York Rangers or Blue Shirts Breakaway, and leave a five star question. We read it on the show. You know how it works. Nick DiPolo. Depola, sorry, not that Nick works for, never mind. Nick Depola says, should we all be worried about Kako? He looks slow, a step off pace, and the analytics show he's not performing at 5v5. I fully expect a growing pace from him, but he looks nothing like the player we saw pre-draft. I think that's where you're wrong, a little bit. I think he's starting to look like the player we saw pre-draft. Yes, his 5v5 is pretty bad, but a lot of that is suffered from his first, like, 10 games. And I know Shane is uh, uh, on The Athletic, by the way, John The Athletic say, theathletic.com slash BSV, 40% off, or whatever. Um, I know Shayna put a, like a mid-season report card and had Kako losing ground. I listen. I totally understand. It looks like he's struggling. He is struggling from time to time, but he's taken a step forward the last couple games, and I I look forward to see if he can continue that momentum. I'm not worried yet. He does look a step slow, but I think he once once he has that off-season training and he stops eating less uh, gluten-free Big Macs, I think we'll be in a better situation. I just think it's a teenager that went from playing in the Finnish league, which is decent, but the Finnish league. To playing in the NHL, I don't know, guys. What were you expecting? Like, I, I just think this he's, this all, this all goes back to expectations. He's not Sidney Crosby, guys. There's there's very few players. Very there's few like, people are. There's like four players that have come in and been like dominant right away. That's like really it in the last like ten years. I, uh, I think I think Kako is growing and learning as you would ex- as you should expect an eighteen year old to do on a team that quite honestly isn't that good. This next one's from Kako Praise B. It's a very similar topic. It's uh, this is Chris from Florida, by the way, Jacksonville, I think. Um, great job. You know there are multiple cities in Florida. Right? I think he's from Jacksonville. Great job as always on the podcast. He'll he'll correct me next week. As much as it pays me to say this, uh, considering his struggles, do you think Kako Praise B is better served going down to the AHL and playing twenty minutes a night on a rebuild team to rebuild his confidence? Um, I don't think so. I don't. I I think he's actually having a pretty good time right now. I think him playing with Heedle is a really good thing in developing the chemistry there. And like I said, I think he's this, – this was posted before Kako had sort of a week where he took a step forward. But I think he's taking the step forward now, and I, I, I don't see him going down to the AHL anytime soon. Um, his second I, question – I just think the, the, the time has come and gone. Like, it, I think you either have to start the season with Kako in uh, the AHL or you just – you play out the string and you see what Kako can gain and learn from the season. and. Let him get into a rhythm and flow and let him understand what playing 82 games in the NHL feels like. Chris also says, Greg, I'm a long-suffering Mets fan. I love your Mets rants. What do you think happens first? The Rangers win two Stanley Cups or the Mets win one World Series? Keep up the great work, Chris from Florida. 
uh, it should be the Mets win one World Series because as hard as this is to believe, the Mets are close. Unlike the New York Rangers, uh, the yeah, the Mets window is now. Like the Mets window is not going to get more open, it which is, is why it's so frustrating when they don't win because this this is it, right? The Grom's not going to get younger. Nope. Syndergaard's not going to get cheaper. Nope. Alonso's not going to get cheaper. Conforto's not getting uh, cheaper. Conforto's not getting cheaper. McNeil's not getting cheaper. Like this, the next two years really is kind of it if you're the New York Mets. So, shit. I mean, the good stay news tuned, is Steve, everyone. Good times. <laughs> yeah, if I mean with Steve Cohen coming in, like maybe they spend money they don't typically spend, but the New York Mets should be winning something this year or next year. Whereas the New York Rangers could be back in the playoffs next year, but probably aren't solidified until the year after that. So the Rangers have a three-year timeline where the Mets, it's like, it's right now. So, I don't know. This next question is from Ant. It all sucks is really what it comes down to. Ant says, what do you think TDA's contract would look like? Thinking riding arbitration. First first of all, ADA. Travis Darno signed for two years and what, like $18 million with the Braves? TDA is Travis. ADA is my good friend, Anthony D'Angelo. Who we who we like, by the way, and who should come on the podcast still? Tweet at him, please. I still, th- I still think he's an asshole, but I'm excited to tell him to his face. Uh, what do you think ADA's contract would look like? Think writing arbitration is arbitration is a better option. I could picture D'Angelo on a Rangers Cup team. Don't really get team friendly vibes though. As I think he means yeah, by the contract. As long as as long as Tony is a New York Ranger, I think the Rangers are going to play the arbitration game with him. I don't think there's a need to go longer than that because again, we've had this discussion before. The New York Rangers, for whatever reason, with this coaching staff, have a unwillingness to play guys on their offhand. Um, why that is, I, I don't fully know. He Quinn seems fine doing it in-game. Anytime Brady Shea gets benched for whatever the fuck Brady Shea did in the eyes of the beholder and this fan base. I speak speaking of unexpected villains, Brady fucking Shea. Never thought I'd see Didn't it. see that it coming. Was like fucking uh, weird. Was a uh unsung hero. Was come in as like this is our future of our defense. Everyone was like, people were like, Dude, okay, it, the, co- the contract's a little it, expensive, but we still. It's love fucking them. weird. It is kind of strange. Weird. It's it's just it's it's crazy to me that the same people who bitch and moan that Shattenkirk and Pionk are doing better once they left the Rangers are so quick to get Brady Shea off the Rangers. Shea, it's, it's, yeah, like if if you think Shattenkirk and Neil Pionk are better off the Rangers, shouldn't it be the system? Not but it just—it blows. It's the same people bitching about Shea were the same people bitching about Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk leaves, finds himself in a better system, is playing like the Kevin Shattenkirk of old, and everyone's just like, "Oh, Brady Shea's a fucking bum. Get him out of here." It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm not trying to make sense of it. I was surprised that he was like in trade rumors. It's like the Rangers have decisions to make with Shea. I was like, "Do they? <laughs> What's the decision?" I just—I don't know how many times we have to sit here on this podcast and say Brady Shea not only is being paid like, but is a solid second pair defenseman. It's just that the New York Rangers continuously have to play him on the top pair because they don't have anyone better. It's nuts. And he's been playing fine with Truba. Have they been the best pair in the NHL? No. But have they been a net negative? No. They've been good. They've been solid. They've been as good as you could possibly hope for playing in this illogical defensive system where the Rangers give up the blue line like it's the fucking plague. And then they, they, they don't stand up on their man. When the guy comes charging in, it's nuts. But anyway, 
Neither here nor there. What was the question? Tony D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, ADA. What's his next contract? I think if the, Ra- no, if the Rangers deal, wanted to play Tony on his offhand and pair him or put Adam Fox on his offhand and put those two together or put Fox with Truba and play Tony with Brady, I, I, I think then we're, we're having a different discussion. But if the New York Rangers are completely convinced that they need to have three lefties and three righties in their lineup on an opening night, they're just making Tony D'Angelo inherently less valuable for their own team. I I don't think and as good of a season as Tony is having, no one's going to sit here and tell me he's more important long-term than Jacob Trouba and Adam Fox on the right-hand side. It's just not, it's not true. And if he becomes more important than either of those two guys, that's because something tragic happened to one of those two guys. So if you're, I don't think it, it's the same thing I say where you don't pay, don't pay your role players. Tony D'Angelo is a really good role player. If you want to play the arbitration game with him every year, and I think if the Rangers played arbitration game with him next year, you're probably looking at something in the three million, two and a half to three million dollar range. Easily, yeah, for sure. Um, Tony doesn't own anything to the Rangers, and you should go get his, get your bag. But the New York Rangers don't need to give him a long term deal if they want to bridge him, go for it. But I think they never. I would just to answer your question. I I personally I would just play the arbitration game with him every year. I think they bridge the, him. the Jets. The Jets didn't save themselves long-term playing the arbitration game with Jacob Truba, but they saved themselves a lot of money every year by doing it. I would, I'd just play arbitration game with, with D'Angelo at this point. But again, I'm also not convinced he's a New York Ranger on opening night next season. This next question is from Rory Langers, who's asked a bunch of questions in the past. Hey, guys, question about our Lord and Savior, Kapokako. Are you worried about his production slash transition to the NHL? We are not. I personally am not. Uh, he's just a kid in a new country in the best league in the world. It's like this guy was listening to the podcast when he wrote this question. But I see the crabs on Twitter. Crabs on Twitter. That's funny. And even people commenting underneath the Carps articles uh, on The Athletic saying how he's a huge letdown and send him to Hartford or even back to Finland. What are your thoughts? Do you still project him to be the elite point-per-game winger in this league like I do? Hope you guys had a good New Year's love from England. I think we've already sort of addressed this, and I, I do believe that Kaka will end up being uh, one of those elite wingers in the game. Just It's, yeah, it's going to take really, three years. I'm really, I, I couldn't be less concerned about Kaka. Really Same. couldn't. Same. Uh, this one's from Zabana Bread. Hmm, that's fun. Uh, five-star question, Duke versus Booch. Great show, boys. Love to hear you on my morning and afternoon commute. Can't fit the whole thing in one leg, or the whole show, rather. I shouldn't have said the whole thing in one leg. That was a little awkward. Praise be to our Lord and Savior. There, there, this may be a no-brainer, but the time New York Rangers traded for Yandel, the clear-cut decision was to keep Buchnevich over to Claire, and that decision bore out in the years, uh, years following the trade. Now, Monday morning quarterback in the trade, and with all Declare, with Duclair's all-star selection and getting Buchnevich, uh and Buchnevich getting A-grade chances but struggling to finish, do you still think Booch was the better option to keep? Uh, Duclair was like a free agent and could have been had like multiple times by yeah. the Rangers. We're, and, I, think, I think we're done policing the Anthony Duclair trade. Like, didn't he sign a one-year deal in Columbus and then he signed a one-year deal in Ottawa? Like, the Rangers could did. have easily... If they were like, hey, Duclair, we're sorry we traded you. We want to sign this, you for a one-year deal. He could have been back. Literally, literally this time last year, John Tortorella was openly questioning in the media if Anthony Duclair was an NHL-caliber hockey player. Yes. And w- while I'm happy that Duclair has proved him wrong and really just showing the world that all he needed was an opportunity to succeed, one that he didn't get in New York, one that he didn't get in Arizona, one that he didn't get in Columbus, but one he's getting on a rebuilding and talentless, for the most part, Ottawa Senators team. It's great for Duke, uh, but it's it's nuts to try and police that trade back because 
if the New York Rangers thought that the, the New York Rangers could have had Duclair and Buchnevich just last year. He was a free agent. Yeah, they he signed for near the league minimum. They could have like had their cake and eat it too pretty easily. Yeah, so it's it's hard it's hard to everybody was wrong about Anthony Duclair except the Ottawa Senators. It's that simple. So I we don't need to go back and police that trade just because he's having a a late post hype breakout, which is great. But that the Yandel trade was what? That was what? 2016, 2015? Long, long time ago at this point. Yeah. We're, Next question. We're not, we're not yeah, we're not going to we're not going to go back 3 years and say, well, if the Rangers gave Duclair top minutes 3 years ago, he'd be the same player. We don't maybe, know. Maybe maybe Duclair needed to go through all this to become to, the player development that he is. Development is such a tricky a it, sticky it, wicket rather. It, we're, we're, there's just no point in doing it, and I want to get yourself upset about it. That if you want to get upset about it, be upset that the New York Rangers didn't sign him as a free agent last year. That's what you should be upset about. Savannah Brett also asks, how's Meg? Pregnant. She's pregnant. Oh, my God. All right. uh, not mine. <laughs> yes. Just saying. Um, her husband's? That's good. Uh, Lydia Ruffs asks, defense, again. I'm, I I'm still all... think I have a shot, though. I believe in you. Listen, go, get after it. I'm all for hating on Ruff, but at this point, do you absolve him and 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 – Absolve him of some blame and start to put blame solely on the players for not executing. It just seems like RD is just making some god-awful decisions, leaving mid open on the crease, poor clears, etc. That I refuse to believe falls under hashtag the system. Also, every time we play a semi-solid defensive game, you hear everyone say, we stuck out, we stuck to our structure. Makes me wonder if the structure is actually the problem or is it just the execution? Your thoughts? Uh, bad ideas can end in good results occasionally right like you can make an illogical bet at a casino and come out ahead that doesn't mean you should always make that bet at the casino and that doesn't mean if you do it a hundred times it's going to win more times than not uh the new york rangers can play solid defensive games like they did against the canucks while playing in a bad defensive system and i think the most the obvious examples we can give you of the Rangers playing in a bad system is every defender that has come into play for the New York Rangers with the exception of Adam Fox and even Tony D'Angelo have gotten progressively worse and that includes um, stalwarts that we trust like Ryan McDonough uh, Kevin Shattenkirk Brady Shea who once upon a time was a statistical darling before Lindy Ruff came involved Jacob Truba like these guys have success elsewhere or in other systems, and they're not having success now. Now, you can either chalk that up as incredible coincidence, or you can question the system in which you're playing. And with with the exits of Shattenkirk and his success, with the exits of Pionk and his reasonable success, I think it's perfectly fair to question the system when you couple that with the fact that we had baseline measurements for other players who have just gotten worse as New York Rangers. So you you either believe in coincidences or you believe in something else. And I, I tend to believe in something else. This next question is from Roselle7. says, which New York Rangers prospects have surprised you during the World Juniors in a good way? And which prospects have been underwhelming? I didn't watch I, the I World Juniors. I, yeah, I can't but, sit here on this podcast. I can't be the same guy who said there's nothing more overrated in this world than the World Juniors and tell you I've walked away impressed with anything I, I saw. My, the way I the watched World the Juniors. World Juniors was through gifts, and I have to tell you, Niels Lundqvist is very exciting. I also have to tell you, I met Niels Lundqvist, and I'm a short guy, and he's about my size. So, I hope he, get, I hope he gets bigger. That's all I'll say. Um, yeah, I, 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 
I didn't watch any of the World Juniors. I just yep. don't really care about World Juniors. I, I get the excitement for other people, uh, I, especially the people in Canada, because God knows apparently they need something to hold their hats on. Um, I'm just very excited no, for Neil Lundqvist. That's, that's I, my I, guy. I watched I watched zero games of World Juniors. I, I will I will cop to that right now. So don't Two come more. to me with hot, hot World Junior takes. Two more questions, and then we'll get to Drew. Hey guys, uh, this is John Pod, uh, John Pod Horitz. Hey guys, I'm getting back into the Rangers after a decade, uh, or, or rather, or after deciding to stop inflicting pain on myself, not a decade, uh, following the Knicks for my entire life. Sorry about being a Knicks fan. I haven't followed the Rangers since I was a child. They seem very promising, and I'm excited about their future. Please tell me some reasons to be pessimistic about them in the years ahead. Thanks. Love the guy. Love the show, guys. Go Yankees. Uh, be, to be pessimistic about yeah, the yeah, Rangers? Yes. So you, you want me to tell you why you shouldn't be Hopeful of what See, the... it seems like he's he's trying to follow the Rangers like he followed the Knicks. Pessimistic. Yeah, I don't have reasons to be pessimistic about the New York Rangers, though. Not right now. Uh, no, I can give you twenty-seven reasons to be pessimistic about the Mets. If he meant optimistic and just got his words confused, no, I think he meant pessimistic because he's. Like, well, I, got, I got nothing. Right got now, nothing. things are. You could be pessimistic a little bit about Quinn. There's like a lot of like borderline on the fence pessimism. You can. There's there's not a lot you can really be like uh. Well, Hank might not win a cup. You know, it's it's a lot of that. There's, things are good, though, overall. I know that we're not, like, a playoff team, but we're trending in the right direction in every single aspect otherwise. Uh, I'm Hoffin11 asks, final question, five-star questions of the day. Are there any free agents you'd like to see the Rangers set their sights on in July? Is there a position you'd want them to focus in on? I'd assume second-line winger with all the center with all the center depth of defensive prospects and Shesterkin. Also, do you have a favorite Mets podcast you listen to? I don't. Blue Shirts Breakaway. Yeah, I was gonna say it's this one. I listen to. Talk uh, no, I don't. I honestly don't listen to Met podcasts. I that's like too much for me. Like I, I don't need to hear someone else's takes on the New York Mets. I think I would lose my goddamn mind. Yeah, you'd scream at the radio. Uh, I don't know right now if there's anything. I think this answer. You should ask this question again after the trade deadline because I'm curious as to who's around and who's not. Uh, I, I, and I don't know if the the talent pool this year for the free agent class is really all that great. We have a lot of dead money. So I'm I'm curious if the Rangers make any moves, if at all. Yeah, I think next next offseason is going to be a lot about moves the Rangers make will be on the trade market. Maybe they yeah, extend the guy. That they I don't get think they're signing a trade. No, I don't think the Rangers are going to be deep end shopping this year. All right, let's uh let's go take a quick ad break and transition over to Drew. Here we go. The playoffs are finally here, and there's only a few more games left before the champ is crowned. Don't get caught saying I'll wait till next year, like 24 other teams. Philadelphia. Get in on the action this weekend with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day. From odds boost to free bets, DraftKings has it all. Plus, the DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder the DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You will not want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going to give you an all-out. Is going all is going to give you. Is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget that's code QUICK and sign-up bonus is up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older in New Jersey only. Bonus prize for... Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restricts supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. Back to the show. 
Hey, we're back with resident prospect expert Drew Way of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. Drew, welcome back to the show. A, a, an appearance of maybe the 10th or 11th time at this point. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Love always joining on. And, uh, you know, hi to both you and Greg. Hope you both are doing well and had a good holiday season. Very good. Uh, enjoying my time in Philadelphia, but I'm back in New York for right now. We're going to be doing a 2017 draft recap the year Leas went. But before we do that, you are the resident prospect expert. Um, and what could we expect for from if people don't know from Igor Shosturkin, uh for from his opening night against the Avalanche? Good goalering. Good goalering. Have you ever heard of the goaler is like this term Jeff Merrick keeps pushing. Apparently, apparently goaler was like what they used to call goalies back in like the twenties. It's a 30s, real thing. Goalering. <laughs> I swear to God, yeah. They, well, goalering is like me saying hockeying. Like that's probably oh a bullshit. My God. Term. But goal, goaler is legit what they used to call goalies back in like the thirties. But no, I mean they should expect a really good goalie. Like Shesterkin is legitimately in the argument for the Rangers' best prospect right now. I'm not including Kako and you know guys that are legitimately NHL players, you remove them from the conversation, and it's Shesterkin or Kratsov in terms of who's the best prospect right now. I wouldn't argue if someone said Shesterkin. The guy's been phenomenal in the AHL. He was phenomenal in the KHL for years, and he's got a style that is kind of reminiscent to Lundqvist in that he doesn't necessarily rely on size or athleticism to play goalie the way a lot of more modern goalies do. He's uh, super smart. He's very quick, uh, very fast lateral movements, and he plays the angles well, plays the positioning well, and he stays pretty deep in his net. So he honestly might remind people a lot of Lundqvist in terms of the style when you compare him to a lot of other you know, more modern goalies who tend to either be athletic freaks or really big. He does wear 31 as Greg, uh, it, it emotionally tags his heart. So um, why don't we get right into this 2017 redraft? Greg and you have uh, done the entire draft, I, which I just found out because <laughs> I thought we were going to do a top 10, but we're doing the whole draft. So let's do it. How do you guys want to do it in segments? We'll do five, well, just, five groups. Just the first, just the first round. Just, yeah, yeah, just the first. We're not doing the whole draft. Come on, guys. But just the first well, round. You said the whole draft. What I meant was literally said we did the entire draft. <laughs> For me, the whole draft was the first round. Okay. Let's uh let's start with the first five picks. Greg, why don't you start? Uh all right. So Drew and I tackled this different ways. Drew did it um the way in which he took team need into account. And I'm a firm best player available guy anyway. So I really just did who I think should have been picked at what spot based on talent. Uh so my top five in order, uh Pedersen one, Makar two. Heskin in three, Heischer four, and the big jumper in mine was uh, Eric Brandstrom, who I moved up from 15 to number five. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, I did do like the team thing, but I'm like Greg. I, I am best player available, but the way I always view things, as you guys know if you've read my prospect rankings, is I put everything into tiers. And so the way I always view things, I, <clears throat> excuse me, players on the same tier, if, if guys are on the same tier, that is when positional need and stuff like that comes into play for me. But I would never, ever, ever take somebody from a lower tier based on just position. Um, so with that, we have the same top four. It's Elias Patterson, number one. I think he's the clear-cut number one. Two, three, Makar, Heskinen. I think you could argue which one you want to take two, which one you want to take three. I'll take Makar at two for the upside. Four, also his year. Five, I went Martin Nikash. Um, the center from Carolina Hurricanes, who was phenomenal in the AHL last year. He's been really good this year for Carolina. Um, but I, I kind of have a tier here from five until like 10, really, where I think these guys can go in any sort of order, depending on your preference. 
Now, obviously, the Rangers were rumored about getting Pedersen, and it actually hurts even more that he's the number one tier by himself. It makes it really sort of a painful thing, especially because I'm I'm curious. I don't know your guys' list. You guys know each other's list. I'm curious as to where Elias pops up, and my guess is around like 25. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see as this goes. Let's talk about. Or, or those are all no surprises, right? Those are all the players that everyone knows and that everyone is, is not surprised at all is in the top five. I think Brandstrom's a little high, um, and maybe I'm I'm wrong in that, Greg, or, they, or, you're, or you're just very high on Brandstrom. Uh, I'm fairly high on Brandstrom, and then you take into effect the caliber of play. Like, his stock has shotten up since he was drafted, just if you want to go from the caliber of player he's been traded for since he was drafted. I mean, he was the centerpiece of the Mark Stone trade. I don't know if that deals get done without him. Um, it's funny because I have Nick Hash six. So I Drew and I were in line there. And I, I guess we'll have to see where uh, he has branched him. But six through 10, and I'll just make note that again, rem- remind people that the New York Rangers had the seventh overall pick uh, in this draft when I do this. Nick Hash was six for me. Fun, uh, I'm sure Bias is playing to this. Philip Heedle is seven on my list. The Rangers would have gotten him anyway. Then I have um, Valamaki, the defenseman for the Calgary Flames, Morgan Frost, and Cody Glass to round up my top ten. Yeah, and so for mine, it, it's more or less similar. Um, I got at six. I have Cody Glass. Um, he's actually he had a good start this year, but it's been pretty rough recently. But he, his upside's incredible, and I still put him at he six. He did get I like also fully still... concussed in a Ranger game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I, I, I'm point is though, I'm still fully confident in him. Um, seven, I also went Heedle at seven. It That's really cool. had nothing to do with the fact that it was the Rangers. And I can, when we get into Elias later, I can talk about how I, I really didn't work to remove any Rangers bias. I just think he's the seventh best prospect. At eight, I had Robert Thomas. Um, Thomas, like if you were to rate this draft class on, hey, how well have these guys performed since their draft year? Thomas would probably be fifth and like the clear cut five, not even close. He made the NHL way earlier than he thought. He contributed in their playoff run last year. His regular season last year wasn't that great, but this year he's actually been really good. Like when you look at Evolving Wilds charts and all of that, he's actually having a much better year than people realize. And I was running this list by a couple of these guys in this prospect chat I'm in. Like when I showed them some of Thomas's charts, like all of them responded with like, holy shit, I can't believe the year he's having. Um, but then I have Eric Brandstrom, nine, and to round up the top ten, I went Nick Suzuki at ten. To, to clarify, our, our good coworker. Corey Promen, when he redid this draft earlier in December, had Suzuki at six and Robert Thomas at five as the top players from the draft. So I think you guys are pretty on on base so far with uh, what the general consensus is. But Heedle, he had at ten. I think you could make a coin flip that I think Heedle, the highest he can really go is seven. I think you guys are are correct in saying that because a question I've been asking is like where would he go if he was redrafted? And I I do think ten is ten or seven to ten is really the right answer. Um, the rest of the guys I can't really comment on. I think Cody Glass is still a good prospect and someone I'm still convinced the Rangers wanted uh, before Elias Anderson. Yeah, just it, my in, in defense of my moves with Valamaki and Frost in there. Frost, I feel like his stock has just taken off like gangbusters this year. And uh, maybe, maybe I just have a soft spot for defensemen who actually can play defense. And that's why I have Brandstrom and Valamaki as high as I do because those guys. Well, they're seem- my next two. Yeah, Balamak, so, um, I have Balamak and Frost coming off very soon. Like we're we're in more or less agreement there as well. Balamaki's been fantastic. Yeah, my uh, eleven for eleven to fifteen for me. I have uh, Timothy Lilgren moving up a couple spots. 
This is where I actually have Nolan Patrick at 12, and it mm-hmm. still has nothing to do with Nolan Patrick, the talent. It's just everyone went into the draft worried about his health, and it's all we talk about with Nolan Patrick now. Um, I still think, like, if you want to just go pure pure skill, pure talent, Patrick is probably still a top-five guy. I just – whatever fears we had about him being able to stay on the ice have been realized. Uh, 13, I have – I'm, I'm going to butcher his name, but that's what I do. I have Henry Jokey Harjo. Close. Yeah, I'll take it. Better than Ryan. Better than Ryan. Four, it's way better than what Ryan would have said. <laughs> uh, four, 14, you, uh, one of the players uh, we agreed about the most – or disagreed about the most, Drew – 14, I have Cal Foot, which is exactly where he was drafted. And 15, I have Nick Suzuki. Yeah, I don't like Cal Foot at all. That's actually probably the guy we disagreed the most on. Um, I think so. I think guy, you had him in like your lower 20s. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think he's fine. But the point is, anyway, I'll get to him later. But we're, we're again, largely in agreement. I have Valamaki at 11. I went Morgan Frost 12. Um, I think he's a good player. He's done well with Philly. I just, I don't think his upside is quite what, you know, a Suzuki or Robert, you know, or some of these other guys are. I did, I put Nolan Patrick at 13 for all the reasons you said. And what's really concerning about Patrick is like now he's having migraine. Like he's been out all year this year, I believe because of migraine issues and things like that. And that's scary. Like coming into the draft, he had, you know, physical injuries. Now when you're talking about head issues, like that really scares me. But his, his talent is still incredible. Um, so I put him at 13. Then I put Yokoharu at 14. Um, and I had Lilligren at 15. And we should make note because we, we've already talked a lot about Morgan Frost. He went 27th, Ryan. 27th yes, overall. Yeah. Check that up, actually. Um, so the next group would be the 16 through 20 group. Uh, this, yeah. group this group starts at, for prom and containing Lucas El- Elvins and also has Branstrom at 17. Um, yeah, I nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Greg, where do yeah, you I'm start for this? I'm just high on I'm real fucking high on Branstrom. I don't know what else to say about I, that. I get it. Uh, 16, 16 is where I have uh, Mr. Smooth himself, Rob Thomas. I, I admit that I'm probably lower on him than I should be. 17, um, maybe the other guy that I've liked to put in trade rumors, not as much anymore because the trades are done, but I'm sure I've said the name Christian Veselainen more on this podcast than I care to remember. I have him at 17. Gabe Velarde, 18. Ely Tolvanen, 19. And the one and only Leas Anderson at 20. 20. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think it's important to note now, because you brought up Lucas Elvins. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this. Apologies if we already did. The way Greg and I handled this, we're only redrafting from the pool of guys that actually went in the first round. Yes. So we took the 31 guys that got drafted in the first one and are uh... just drafted from there. There are a number of guys that went in the second round and especially the fourth round. They're actually the fourth round of this draft is crazy that I would have taken in the first tier. We didn't do that. We just, these are the 31 guys that got drafted in the first round. How would we order that? Got it. I yes. appreciate that clarification because I was like, Hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cause I don't, if, if let's, let's make a, uh, a statement then if Leas, if you weren't drafting only the guys in the first round, would Leas be in the first round? Uh, for me, he would, but he'd be a few spots lower. Like Alexi Hepaniemi, I'd have above him. I'd probably have Alexander Tessier above him. Um, possibly a Jason Robertson or Connor Timmins I might have above him. Um, I'd probably still have Leas in the first round, but he'd be real close to dropping out of it. Former today. Ranger, New York, uh, Leas Anderson. Pretty funny. Um, all right, Greg, hit me. I already hit you. You need drugs. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Greg, oh. Greg did his, and I just wanted to provide that clarification. Good hosting. So Good hosting. I'm, at six, I'm at 16 now. I got Josh Norris at 16. 
I got this is probably one of my favorite names ever. Urho Vakaninen at 17. Then I got Ryan Paling at 18, Eli Tolvin at 19, and Casey Middlestat at 20. And we were kind of discussing off air quickly how when I originally did this, I put Leah Sanderson above Middlestat. Uh, but then, like, I did some more research, and I realized, like, that was just, honestly, just out of pure stubbornness by me why I did that. Um, I, I just, I couldn't keep it that way, and I ended up bumping middle stat up to 20, a few spots higher. Is it, was it Tolvanen after the draft, like, considered, like, a total steal, and then all of a sudden his value is sort of fluctuated? Because he had he had a year of all years as a D plus one in the KHL. Got it. Mm-hmm. He, he crushed, and then came over, everyone thought he was going to be, like, the secret sauce for the Predators playoff run. And it's kind of been all downhill from there. Seems. That yeah. Way. There's actually a number of guys in this, on, in this draft. Some we've mentioned, some we haven't that killed it in Europe. Then got brought over to the AHL in the, you know, the stupid ass systems that we play over here. And we try to force guys into systems instead of allowing them to, you know, display their talent. And Don't they've done poorly about. here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's Colvin in that's Chris Veselainen is a guy who's been actually, he just went back to Finland because he was having such a rough time in the AHL. Um, there's a handful of these guys who great in Europe, then came over here and have disappointed. And it's just a matter of, you know, what's going on. Prominence so made, made some of these guys really difficult. Yeah. Well, you make a good point about the uh, forcing them into systems. We've never seen that before. Um, why don't we do the Why don't we do the next five, Gregory? Uh, well, with the twenty first overall pick, it's just funny because uh, the again, Leah Sanderson went off the board one before. Yes. Unlike Drew, I was not as stubborn. I have Casey Middlestad twenty first. So once again, the dream of a Middlestad Heedle draft is very alive and well for the New York <laughs> Rangers. Uh, I have Ryan Poling. <laughs> I, I have Ryan Poling twenty second, Kyler Yamamoto twenty third, uh, Michael Rasmussen twenty fourth, and the goalie uh, Jake Ottinger twenty five. Yeah, again, we're actually pretty similar here. Um, Greg, you'll love this. Twenty one to the New York Rangers. I had Christian Veselainen. See, I would have, um, I would have loved that, and I would have loved every yep. second. Yep. At 22, I had Yamamoto going, sticking with the Oilers. Um, supposedly, the Oilers are sticking him on McDavid's line now, so I'm interesting, interested to see how that goes. Then 23, I had Owen Tippett. 24 to the Jets is where I had Leah Sanderson. And then 25, I had Clint Costin, who was the guy that the Blues traded Ryan Reeves to get into the first round to get. So we have uh, we have five less left, and these are just players that six. are or six, yeah, sorry, because that's how teams math. work. Yeah, math. Uh, hard. These are the players that are still at the end of the first round and maybe, maybe not have been in the first round anymore. So Greg hit me. I would say every player at this point, uh, I found guys in this draft that I think I would have found more interesting. Even Ottinger, I have other goalies I think are more interesting than him. Uh, 26, Clem Costin, 27, Drew's boy, uh, um, yeah, Vakanainen. Yeah. Uh, Shane Bowers, 28, Josh Norris, 29, Pierre Olivier, Joseph, 30. And I just hate Owen Tippett, I think is what I'm learning from all this. I don't know what <laughs> it is. You yeah, I think it is. I, th- I don't trust gingers. <laughs> As like a former ginger myself, to be fair, anytime I see. Just to clarify, Tippett is 13th on the prom in list. I don't yeah, know. no, 31st for me. And I understand that he's probably better. Drew, I showed Drew my list before we started doing this earlier today. And Drew was like, yeah, Tippett's the one you should probably move up. And I was like, that's nice. Not going to, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Drew, hit me with yeah. yours. Yeah, okay. So at 26, I went Michael Rasmussen. Uh, Red Wing fans will get pissed, and I know he's played all this time for the Red Wings already, but he's not that good. He's just big and has decent hands. 
but can't do much else. I gave Velarde at 27. Honestly, Velarde is the person I struggled the most with in all this. He's fantastically talented, but he's 20 years old with severe back issues. Like nothing, like as someone who has back issues myself, like nothing scares me more than back issues on a, you know, on a prospect. At 28, I went Cal Foot. 29, Shane Bowers. 30, Pierre Olivier Joseph. And 31, Jake Ottinger. Honestly, on pure talent, I probably should have Ottinger 29, but those last three, Bowers, Joseph, and Ottinger, I'm pretty confident those are the worst three of this. And I put Ottinger 31 just because don't take a fucking goalie in the first round. You don't take a running back in the NFL in the first round, and you don't take a goalie in the first round. (laughs) I made people angry this week when I said Derrick Henry wasn't a first-round pick. It just... I mean, Saquon Barkley is fantastically talented. I'm a Giants fan. I love him. Stupid fucking pick at two. It sure was. What? I honestly like no, not even trolling. I I think I'd rather have Derrick Henry than Saquon Barkley. What was the most surprising ranking for for each of you in this? Greg, go first. Um, my dog is joining the podcast. It's funny. Way. It is funny going back and seeing. Uh, I remember there was Brandstrom hype going into the draft, and then thinking, uh, how higher he could be in a redraft. I do think for me, it's probably Yokoharo because he was kind of, I, I drew would know better than I do, but I feel like his floor now is just NHL regular, like somewhere mm-hmm. like bottom pairing to middle pairing defenseman. And mm-hmm. that's a guy that literally went 29th overall. I don't know if teams just struggle when it comes to defensive ratings. It, it can't be because Heskinen, and Makar were still top five picks, and they've been great. But you think about not just this draft, the fact that Brandstrom went 15th, Yokoharo went 29th, but you go back one year later, and the Rangers are getting guys like Keandre Miller and Niels Lundqvist with picks in the 20s. So it, I've always wondered if people are just – I don't know if we're just not rating defensemen properly when it comes no, to draft he- time. I'm going to cut you out. Yeah, we aren't. And Makar and Heisken, you put to the side because they are just so incredibly gifted that even these idiots in front of, in NHL front offices that completely galaxy brain all this shit and still continue to value things like size and toughness over things like skill, even they had to take Makar and Heisken in that high. But if you notice, a lot of these guys you're talking about that are really good, that went late, that you know uh, end up being risers, most of them are short. You know, Brandstrom's not tall. Niels Lundqvist isn't tall. A lot of these defense, uh, you know, Lilligren isn't big. A lot of these defensemen that, you know, end up looking, you know, like they went crazy low. Adam Fox is another one who's drafting the third freaking round, and now he's by far the best defenseman on the Rangers. They're all short defensemen, and NHL is finally just now starting to realize, oh, wait, height doesn't matter all that much when it comes to playing defense. Interesting. Well, I will, I will say, even in hindsight, I remember Lilligren should have gone sooner but didn't he have mono the year leading up to the draft and he didn't yeah. play? Yeah. And honestly, I have him like I have him 15th in mine. Like that's about where he was take. I think he was taken at 17th. Like Lilligrins have been very up and down since been drafted. He was, you know, he was hyped because he yeah, had mono season, so we were all pointing to him like he's a guy that should go higher. And then he was really good, but then he was like awful for like last year in the for the Marlies. Like he wasn't good at all. But this year he's killing it. And so now his stock's really coming back. So, Drew, who's the player that surprised you the most, out of curiosity? What did you say uh, already, and I missed I it? No, I don't know if there's, like, a player that surprised me the most. It's or ranking, more rather. Of, yeah, no, it's really my biggest takeaway from this is that 
this draft just ended up being a lot deeper than people gave it credit for. Like I remember coming into the 2017 draft, everyone was talking about how weak of a draft this is and yada, yada. And, and sure, at the top, maybe it's not completely stellar, but still at the top, you have Pedersen, McCarr, and Heisken. And you That's have good number draft. one center and two star number one defensemen. Yeah. And he shares really good too, and better than most people give him credit for. And like the depth of this draft is actually pretty strong. Like when I went through and did this, I'd say 24 or 25 of the guys that went in the first draft, I'd probably keep I, that went in the first round, I'd probably keep in the first round doing a redraft. And then there's some like really interesting guys that went in rounds, you know, two and later that also could like compete for those spots. So my biggest takeaway was, hey, you know what? This draft ended up being better quality than I think it got credit for at the time. Awesome. Drew, I know uh, we're running short on time, a.k.a. it's getting late for me. Uh, I, you had a parent corner sort of story you wanted to share with us? <laughs> yeah, so anyone that listens to Bill Simmons podcast, they know that they, they always do this parent corner. And I had a, something that happened recently with my son, Declan, who's now you know, a little more than a year and a half. 21 years old, yes. And, uh, yeah, and he's starting to crack me up. Um, so the other day, yeah, he, he does this thing, it's a little bit of background story. When he sits in his high chair, when he's done with his food and he doesn't want to eat anymore, he doesn't say, like, I'm done or anything like that. He just starts to throw it. And so I'm trying to break him out of that habit. And so the other day he, he does that and he just takes you know, a handful of this like rice and couscous that he has and just chucks it all over the floor and starts cracking up. So I smacked him in the hand and pointed at him and screamed like, don't do that again. Right. And he looks, he looks at me, he raises an eyebrow, lifts up his hands and goes, what the fuck? No way. <laughs> yeah. So why, and, why are and, you playing Blue Shirts Breakaway when he's going to sleep? <laughs> and my reaction was, I started cracking up. My wife started laughing. She had to walk out of the kitchen because she was laughing so hard about it. Like I couldn't like the kid dead stared me in the eye, raised his arms, just went, what the fuck? After I smacked him in his hand and told him to stop, you know, to stop throwing his food. That's a, so, that, that's a, that's a yep. child of this podcast. And I appreciate, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. The more moral of the story, I apparently I have to start watching my mouth around. Yeah, probably. Uh, where we won't stop watching our mouths is here. Uh, Drew, why don't you plug what you do uh, before we get out of here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever I, can, I can't contribute to the site any as much as I want to, but yep. you know, I write stuff for BlueShirtsBreakaway.com. I do analytics and prospect stuff. Cool. What? Oh, I yeah. thought you were like trying to stop me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, I was, I was celebrating yeah. with you. Yeah, like yeah, oh, yeah. Like, Wait, I'm like, uh, no, no. Like, you definitely yeah, do. We, yes. We, we recently published the 2020 NHL. Uh, you know, draft rankings, um, and we added a little new feature to it this year where we're tracking how the guys are trending from one set of rankings to the other. We'll probably have another set out, you know, late March, early April, but check that out. It's a top article on the site right now. Yep. If you're curious about our thoughts on uh, the first round, and you get st- uh, rankings for myself, George Abramski, and Rich Coyle. Awesome, man. Uh, and you can follow him at Drew underscore Way. Drew's underscore way. There we go. Nailed it. Um, and you can follow me and Greg. I'm Orion Mead and Greg is at Blue Shirts Break. Greg, any parting shots for the the listeners this week? Parting shots? Yeah. Do I always have a parting shot for the no, listeners? No, I was just setting you up. I thought that would be pretty cool. Well, oh, you've already said what? you hated Ginger, so that's yeah. a big parting shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I don't know who's got red hair listening to us. Again, I am a Ginger myself. Yeah, like, I was when I had hair, it was red. Yes. So I'm just saying, I want to trust myself. So you can't say I'm being, I don't know, what, I don't know, a word, anti-ginger. Anti yeah. Long, long story short, <laughs> fuck gingers is what it comes down right. to. Right. Okay, good. Gingerphobe. All right. That's right. <laughs>
All right, that is that your parting shot? Sounds good. All right, thanks for I listening. I do love I got Emma Stone with red hair though. Oof. Okay, that is that, <laughs> that is the parting shot. All right, this has been Blue Shirts Breakaway. We'll see you guys next week. Love you. Bye.